Hey there, treasure hunters. If you enjoy what the Ironbound Chest does, please consider leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. Doing so helps to spread the wealth inside of the Ironbound Chest to other listeners, adventurers, and fellow treasure hunters. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Are you looking for a D&D podcast with a dark side? Something more like Game of Thrones and less like Monty Python? Tale of the Manticore is part dark fantasy audio drama, part solo D&D RPG. There's no plot armor here. The dice make all the important decisions. Join me as I resurrect the excitement, wonder, and emotion of old school D&D. Made for a mature audience, Tale of the Manticore is both a fiction and a game. It's the story where chaos rolls. You're listening to The Ironbound Chest. Our topic for discussion this month is imagination, and today we're sitting down with Tyler from Miss World Adventures. Let's add some wealth to the chest. Hello everyone, and thank you for opening the Ironbound Chest. My name is Austin Moraga, and today I'm joined by Tyler, the DM of Misrolled Adventures. Thank you for joining me, man. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Pleasure for you to be here. Pleasure to talk to you. So have you had a chance to listen to the show and, and to kind of get an idea of how it works yet? Not yet. I have uh, plans to listen to it while I'm at work, but I'm finishing up a few other groups that I'm supporting, so that way I can then absolutely understood though yeah i know well the thing is that this podcast aims to do is exactly kind of what you're doing is getting everyone i can really from around the tabletop role-playing game community from the DD community uh podcasters streamers uh dice makers players map makers anyone uh to come onto the show and just kind of add some wealth to the chest uh, in terms of their experiences, their advice, you know, just or even just like a discussion. And and it's something that I want the listeners and for those who I interview and as well as myself to to really, you know, like be honest with, be, you know, be themselves, you know. Uh, and just so we can, you know, like really treasure this this interaction. Each month I have a specific topic that is kind of the overarching thing that we will discuss, but you know, there'll be other questions interspersed and each week I bring on a guest. The last month's topic was first times talking about all about how, you know, how did you get started in your tabletop role-playing game uh, experiences? How did you, what was your first experience like podcasting or whatever have you? However, that has changed. We are now in August's monthly topic and that is imagination, all about how we perceive the games we play through our mind's eye and so on. Um, but before we really get to dive down into the questions I have for you, uh, how you been doing this week? Doing fine. Uh, this week's been uh, a scorcher. It's been extremely hot. And, <laughs> God, I know. Uh, it, it is a time to not have AC for your vehicle. <laughs> oh, man. I, I have no AC as well. So those windows are down all the time. Oh, it's just the worst. 
No, otherwise I've been doing fine. Been setting up some stuff. We recently recorded yesterday, which has been the first time in like several months, and it's been oh, killing yeah. me. But we finally were able to get down a schedule and fully set up to record. Good. How's that? How'd that go for you after uh, after a while away? It was good. It was difficult to get back into it for sure. But um, just after maybe a good thirty minutes, we just kind of started playing like we used to again. <laughs> That's good. I'm really glad to hear that. I have a golden question that I ask all of my guests before we also begin to get into questions. What do you treasure most about D&D and tabletop role-playing games? Ooh. It would have to be the creative writing aspect of it. Something that I fully love to enjoy doing is just sitting down and writing out ideas. I come up with magic items all the time that are completely just off the topic of my brain at work at some point and just fleshing that out into filling it into the story. It's been fulfilling to also see the players reacting to what I've written as the DM, but in the other way around being a player and experiencing what somebody else has kind of written is extremely entertaining and fun as well so it's just like that creative writing of it is what has drawn me to it is being able to play out a story that you've had in your mind while having others react to it and even flesh it out themselves i love that that's that's one i i have yet to to hear from from my guest is um creative writing everyone who i would say really is is a dungeon master pretty much kind of is a creative writer in many ways, even though they may not have that, you know, that background in creative writing or may not outright think I'm a creative writer, but you, you really are. Oh yeah. Because there's, I think there's nothing more ingrained in, you know, creating these stories than being creative and writing, you know, especially if you're homebrewing stuff. Yeah. It's, we when we started we were using a module and we're doing it pretty much by the books but then at this point in the game since we're two years into playing it we have completely gone off the grid of the book and it's been if not more interesting as a result i know i've thrown in a few things that were different from the book and now since we're that far into it they're learning more about those things that i made for it yeah. And as a result, have gone away from the main guide, essentially. I love that. I, I love it whenever things kind of like veer off, uh, whether they be, you know, a huge uh, curve in the bend or whether it's just like a small curve, though. Because it, it, in past interviews, we've, we've talked about how there can be a lot of chaos, too, in the way that you give players options of going like, well, you can do this or maybe you can pick up this magic item and stuff like that. And like... It's just really interesting to see what each individual, you know, table gets into in terms of that chaos or even just, you know, that creativity that comes about of it. So, yeah, there's a very specific reason why the title of our uh, show is Misrolled Adventures. <laughs> Players will make a plan and horribly execute it. <laughs> I, I was actually wondering what the uh, what the origins for that title was, and it's and it's misrolled with with M I S S. Is there is there a connotation behind that? Uh, yeah, it's because um, sometimes you mess things up, and uh, the dice just help you miss what you're trying to aim for. Ah, okay. So um, a lot of our campaign has been tailored around 
some of it being chance. And as a result, a wild magic causes whenever magic can happen. And because of before we started recording, there were several instances for this random chance to just play out in such an abstract way that it was just flawless. And then because of other people trying to fix the mistake from before by random chance, their random chance was just the worst. And it became this huge <laughs> thing. I have a whole story of why this name came up. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I would honestly love to hear it. Uh, I'll have to have you on some, uh, some later episode then. Absolutely. I'm, I have quite the tales from before we started recording. Well, that's perfect then. I, I do love a tall tale. Well, what first forms in your mind or your imagination when you think of D&D or other tabletop role-playing games? Like what is the first maybe image or thought that you have when you when someone says, hey, want to play D&D? Well, it's definitely changed from when I first thought of it with no outer experience of what D&D or tabletop RPGs are. Oh, really? Um, if it was in the past, I, I knew, you know, the stereotypes about D&D people being in their basements and all that <laughs> nonsense and the crazy people that are just not like wearing beards and pointy hats and costumes. And like, that was my initial image of what D&D was with no knowledge of what it actually is, yeah. which some of it is sure. And that's fun. Yeah. It, that's fun. <laughs> like, yeah. What it is now is probably a group of people that are offering a seat to enjoy something together, essentially. Hmm. Because, like, if someone came up to me and asked, do you want to play d and I'm like, hell yeah, I would like to play d and <laughs> <laughs> And my first image of thought would be like, is this going to be in person? Is this going to be online? And then my, my yeah. brain would just rack together what kind of game we're going to play. Do I need to make a serious character or do I need to make something that's tailored to the story? Do I need to make a joking character? Like how far is this going to go? So my image of it is rapidly changing, I would say, because nice. I just want to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think a lot of us just want to just get in there the state of the world as it is with the quarantining and everything, it does make it a little bit harder for a lot of people to mm. just get in there and play. And like you, you were saying, I think before we recorded was that, uh, you know, you just got back into it after months and it's just, it's like scratching that itch, man. It's just so good. Oh, yeah. With the way that your creative writing is your go-to thing. How do you think that this combines with your, uh, dungeon mastering style, maybe in terms of like painting a picture for the imagination of your players? I know I have to work on a few things, but a lot of the creative writing comes and can be complemented with improvised interactions. With I think every dungeon master knows that D&D or your players will do something that you definitely were not expecting. So being able to react to that helps with it because then you can tailor that to the creative writing. If they're doing something, yeah. there's positives and negatives of it. And that can be altered or alter an effect of something towards the end. It's the creative writing consistently keeps being written or rewritten or rewritten again. I'm not too sure, honestly. 
how much does it take precedence that you use that ability to be a creative writer in in setting you know scenery and and emotions and stuff like that like does is it is it your is it your most important thing that you would think i would say it's my go-to but it's not the most important thing the most important thing to me would be involving the players but in a creative way so it's why it's like my go-to for sure is i use Mm -hmm. that to paint the picture i use that to um further along character involvement as well because certain going through for with like session zeros and everything like that you understand the basis of certain characters their history mm-hmm. and writing that into the story as well rather than just writing out the story that you want it's also tailoring it to your players so that way they can enjoy like they involved the world in some way or they affected it i think it's really important for a dungeon master obviously to really give their players a sense that like they matter because they are the heroes of the story or anti-heroes depending (laughs) yeah that's so true depending on what your players do they can definitely become pretty much the villains of this story that was supposed to be like you were gonna save the world no we're gonna really help destroy this thing but no yeah being able to paint that picture in their mind of good or bad but being able to do that in the way that makes them very immersed in in this game that is just completely you know it's pen and paper uh you can add in things like you know maps and minifigures but you know it D&D and other tabletop role-playing games are such a such a way for people to lead almost like a second life, mm-hmm. you know? And and it just being able to really get that um the scene just right with with the way, you know, of your creative writing, I think is it is a completely crucial uh, aspect of that. I would like to know though uh about your players at the table like uh and and as well of the the campaign you're doing would you be able to kind of give me a, a brief overview of the campaign and the players who are in it Yeah well we we do two campaigns but um I'll start with the one that we initially essentially started out over 2 years ago after just watching D&D watching about 3 to 4 different groups for about a year I wanted to just play and being the only one of my friend group that has any experience with D&D because I watched it, I was the dungeon master, picked out the four people that I was living with and we just sat down and played. They had no knowledge of what was going on. They had no knowledge of how to play and we just kind of learned, but um, they enjoyed it. So we continued to play. Scheduling uh, obviously became an issue, but it be- we then picked up more people to play in it. And one of our friends from Canada, who is uh, the other member of the second campaign that we run, um, he finished his campaign of four years and he was a dungeon master. Wow. So he knew a lot more about the game and was kind of sad that he didn't have a source to play anymore. (laughs) So I offered him a seat and he's been basically the the grandfather to the group he kind of understands some things he can help with rules and all that other interesting 
mumbo jumbo that the books <laughs> talk about. And he's been helping the players. That's good. So they've been learning from session one to however many sessions we are at now. Yeah. And they've developed their characters. One of the players who was kind of iffy about playing is now fully invested into playing. He has oh. a character voice. We're actually currently going through um, a major category in his backstory for his character. Nice. And he's been in love with uh, what's been going on. That's good. Yeah. At this point, when we started to record, the consensus was just enjoy yourself. Play like you normally do. We're not here to become super famous. If it happens, then fantastic. But we're, <laughs> we're doing this as a hobby because yeah. I just wanted others to experience the story like my players are. Yeah. So... Reality is they're just having fun and enjoying their characters and getting fully immersed in it because they've had no experience before this. Two years ago, they had no idea what D&D even was. Really. Oh my gosh. Now they're doing all this like streaming and podcasting. And yeah, exactly. Like, now it's it's become a thing and they've enjoyed their characters. We have character art for them. And oh my god, that's cool! It's it's been extremely rewarding, that's I good. think. And they've enjoyed it. Good. I, I think D and D is something that really can give you a lot of enjoyment and satisfaction. Yeah, especially with um, if your character is so drastically different than yourself. Yeah, it's like leading a double life almost. Exactly. Especially with um, people who play their characters to the end yeah yeah the other campaign was essentially made because me and my friend who from canada was just dying to play more because since we have seven people at a table it's difficult to consistently record so yeah. we always recorded for about six to seven hours every three weeks oh wow a long time to in between playing <laughs> and me and my friend were just dying to play more so we just were trying to figure out a way that we could play with just one to one person where it's like both of us have a chance to play yeah my friend looked up uh, a certain character species called changelings who oh, basically yeah. don't have an identity other than others identities yeah and it we we're just like oh this could work came up with some ideas about like how we would switch and everything like that and came up to this consensus that if we had two people in one body, it'd be like um, split personality disorder, except it's not a just it's not an actual disorder. There's yeah. legitimately two consciences inside of this one body. And we played it out and developed the story around why that happened. It's very unique. I, I really don't think I've I've heard of uh, either just a home game or even, you know, a podcast or a show that does something like that. We have the main campaign. That's the big one is uh, called the Great Gods War because it involves Tiamat, Bahamut, and um, it goes into a lot of celestials and all this other uh, hierarchy in in like godhood yeah um 
This one we call double time because <laughs> every real hour we forcibly switch personalities and roll. So while one person is the DM for one hour, the other person is playing out their mentality in that person's body. After the hour comes, they forcibly switch. We have a few rules and like if you wanted to try to stay in longer, you have to roll, all this other stuff. Oh, but um, whatever you're doing stops the person that is in the subconscious switches place and the person who was playing is now the DM. So a lot of it is improvised. Oh, Probably about 99% of it is improvised because it's having two DMs try to make a story. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'll just say it's it's such a unique concept of, of playing D&D, but something that you know, it does kind of happen in real life, you know? I mean, obviously there is split personality disorders and everything. Oh, yeah. um, and and that's a struggle for that in real life. But doing that in in a game sense, it's it's got to be very hard as well, especially like you said, with being a DM then, because you may not have all the the notes that each other are, are taking or, you know, in the time between it takes you to switch off, you know, maybe, you know, I, and again, I I don't know how you guys do this, but like it just seems like it would be such a departure from any kind of normalcy in playing. Yeah, it just makes it seem fun. It's it's been it's been fun, but it's also been oddly relaxing huh. because we don't have the aspect of we need to plan out things that can possibly happen months in advance because yeah. it can completely change within an hour just like that you know <laughs> when we initially started we didn't have any basis of what we were going to do yeah. we started off in just the realm of Faerun and we're gonna just play it out and see what we wanted to do with it in session one before we started recording because we got about four episodes into it before we started recording and we were essentially bottom feeders. One was <laughs> a lawyer who was corrupted. The other one was a thief who was crazy, apparently. Oh, man. Um, and things things occurred to the point of where <laughs> um, we had to flee the city by accidental use of a teleportation circle. And that brought us into the Shadowfell, basically. Ooh, always fun. Yeah. And... The thing with um, it being so improvised is why it's relaxing, hmm. but it's also had its moments to where we've just synced up by complete accident. Like our ideas, we don't, a, a very big thing with it is that we don't immediately just write over each other. Yeah. If someone as a DM says that this happened, the other person doesn't just immediately go at when they become the DM, they don't just remove it they continue on with it. That's a big thing. It's the yes and protocol. Right. As a result of that, we accidentally have synced up ideas that we've had <laughs> later down the road by complete accident. The one moment specifically that I remember was before we recorded these entities when we went to the Shadowfell because we were just basically into the Shadowfell version of Neverwinter. But the city was vacant and then we had to switch personas essentially. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it was vacant was because there was these ghastly creatures called wardens. Mm -hmm. And 
other than the name, it was the exact same thing that the other person had thought of for why the city was vacant. Ooh, that's so cool. So it's just been fun to also play out ideas that somehow meld together. Yeah. It (laughs) almost seems like it's like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of situation. I'm unfamiliar. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I have, I have an uncultured swine. (laughs) Um, But, um, but yeah, it, it is something that is really good. And I love the fact that you kind of, like you said, you have this synced up mindset now that I think goes well with the topic of imagination because it, it does seem like with you having this connected sense of planning and, and ideas that your imaginations are almost running along the same path in terms of what you're creating. Yeah, that's, that's a big part of it for sure. It's like we've, when we started it, we only knew each other because this is my this is the friend from Canada, and I mean I'm in Minnesota, so I'm <laughs> we're very drastically different in distance. But um, we've known each other for maybe a year before that. Yeah, and we knew each other because of Final Fantasy fourteen. Nice. <laughs> we never met up in person, nothing. But playing it out like this has probably built the friendship more as well. Yeah. I really love that. Yeah, it's it's so great. The aspect of creating a story based off of the other person's mentality has been fun. I because bet. the the way that we switch individuals while playing, they are completely different from one another. They have some similarities sure. Like when we first started, we were both clerics but of different origins and different um paths and everything like that our physical traits because we're sharing a body is the same but our mental traits are completely different Mm -hmm. and seeing the talents that one has versus the other and then being switched and taken out of that aspect (laughs) has created both comedy and hilarity i can only imagine (laughs) it's like be, when someone who's st- sneaky switches places with someone who's not sneaky, <laughs> things change very fast. <laughs> Already, I can just imagine that being very comical. <laughs> it is hysterical, but That's it's awesome. also we get serious when we're playing too. Good. It's just it's just fun, and it's just you two. <laughs> it so, is so. It's... And again, you are you are the only two doing this. Do you feel like you guys are able to? I mean, well, not maybe able to, but like, it seems like you're obviously able to really respect the the creative space of each other, but also just of the, you know, the role-playing aspects that mm-hmm. may seem in a table, uh, in a table setting full of people, you know, it might be more of a thing of like, hey, everyone's doing it. But I, does it, do you ever feel like it's a bit weird when it's just one-on-one like that? Like you're, like you're acting uh, as a different person to someone else. No, honestly, it hasn't been weird. I mean, we're both huge nerds, so <laughs> that could play into why it's we're pretty comfortable doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I haven't felt weird doing it. We've set boundaries, obviously, of like what we're willing to talk about and what we're willing to role play with and what yeah. aren't like what we're not comfortable with. That's important. 
absolutely setting those boundaries in any group is important yeah but um we're pretty open and haven't felt weird about it at least i haven't i'm pretty sure he hasn't either it's good though I, i love to hear that and again it just seems like something that is completely uh apart from what you would normally think of as like your standard dungeons and dragons type of setting you know um, it, it, but it's definitely something that fits perfectly well into what D and D allows you to do. So I, I do love that. Uh, do you think that D and D and other, maybe probably other tabletop role playing games, do you think that they help expand someone's imagination? Absolutely. I unfortunately have very little experience in other tabletop RPGs, though I'm still looking to get into them. It's just that I don't have any friends or players that are willing to try out sort of things. But I can attest that just because I've seen and listened to D&D, it's expanded what I essentially can write about. Seeing seeing others as well inspires your mind essentially to be able to take in information in a different way for example i used to work night shifts and as a result i was able to listen to loads and loads of content that other people create yeah and at the time i think i would put in a full 40 hour work week 40 hours of listening to others' content. Oh, hell yeah. I'm right there too. So as a result of that, I've kind of gathered a lot of different viewpoints, mentalities, role-playing capabilities, ideas. Some people's are fully homebrewed worlds, and it helps me tailor some ideas into how I can create something like that. So just listening to one can already expand your imagination to a degree actually playing in one can alter it even further. I think because you see certain things and obviously it depends on the group that you're playing with. Some people are extremely by the book, which is fine. If that's how you want to play, they're extremely by the book. Things have to go this way, but for how I work at the table, if you can explain a decent enough reason to why something could potentially happen like this. Like, let me give you an example. In the double time show that we have, I've used the spell shape, um, shape stone a few different ways. Mm-hmm. I've used it to encase someone's lower half in stone so they can't move at all. Yeah. It's not necessarily tailored to that, but it's meant to be expansive in your own mind in your own imagination so the capabilities that magic can have can just give you such a wide variety of things that you could do that you have to almost get creative you have to start thinking about what other things you could do dnd definitely allows you to really expand on what they have you know, available to you, like, you know, like you said, spells or even just abilities, whether they be racial abilities or class abilities to, Mm -hmm. to say, here's what you have. By no means are you supposed to stick to exactly what they say. Although that's, you know, kind of implied of like, Hey, these are rules, but, and again, 
you are able to be so imaginative with the uh, the content given to you from D and D and other tabletop role playing games similar to that. Mm-hmm. That like you, yeah, it, you can just be so creative in ways that you may have not have thought before. Yeah, the um, I like to call the books guidelines because <laughs> you can absolutely follow them. But you don't necessarily have to. Yeah, <laughs> There's some there. things that I definitely don't pay attention to. Oh yeah, just for ease of access, like majority of the weight system and oh, all that yeah. stuff. Uh, the, that's needless number crunching yeah. in my it, eyes. Yeah. I, there's people that love it, and more power to you if you can keep track of all that. Because yeah. it's like I can't keep track of how much pounds ten coins weigh. <laughs> it's, it's absurd. Unless people are wearing extremely heavy things and trying to lift ballistas, I'm not really gonna care. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's a good point right there what you're saying because there are those people who absolutely love that crunchiness of D&D just where it's like hey we want to follow rules as written or we want to follow a looser more you know rule of fun right yeah the rule of fun yeah yeah and I think that's a a really important thing especially that 5e kind of really cements into people's minds of like you know here are these rules which exactly like you said these are these can be mainly taken as guidelines by no means do you have to abide by them but we put these here for you to get a general sense of what can and uh, should be done at times but again it goes back to definitely allowing you to say hey you know let's get creative guys let's see what we can do and there are plenty of examples out there of people going you know, like above and beyond those book line examples of, of say, like you said, the, the mold stone uh, is a perfect example of something that can be totally uh, changed, even, even if it's just ever so slightly to do something that, hey, I never thought that could have been done before. And it's, and it's so fun to be able to do that and have that experience. Oh, yeah. Character creation in of itself is probably oh, the biggest yeah. example of being imaginative i think oh god yeah i can't express the amount of characters because i have forever dm syndrome luckily that (laughs) changed recently i'm actually playing in um my canadian friend's new campaign that he just started up that we're not recording it's just for us to enjoy and play nice i'm playing a half elf half elf half minotaur who (laughs) the martial arts abilities from the monk class, but as a fighter, as a result, he's sacrificed his weapon proficiencies to essentially become proficient in his fists and and become a monk. That's actually a fighter essentially. So that way I'm not playing as a monk. I'm still a fighter. I have action surge and all this stuff. And I don't, my, I wear armor rather than always being armorless as a monk. Because yeah. majority of the time you need to be armorless as a monk. So <laughs> yeah. to mold things, adapt things, and just take from, make things out of stuff that you don't have, because I'm pretty sure half Minotaur isn't a thing in the books. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, there, it could be. I don't have all the books for all I know. But... I don't think I've come across it yet to where you can be half Minotaur. I know you could be a Minotaur, but again, D&D 5e really does allow you to be like, hey, you can kind of do whatever you want to 
rule of fun, man. If the DM yeah. allows it, you can do whatever you want almost. That's the big part. As long as you talk about your ideas, yeah, you can make what you essentially want as long as everyone's on agreement with it. Yeah, it's perfectly fine for you to get as creative and as imaginative as you want to be. But if if you are, you could say disrespectful to your table and your DM and say like, this is what I am, like without any pre-thought or pre-planning, talking to the DM or anything, it can really throw a wrench into, you know, what they have planned out and, and what the other people at the table might have thought of like, hey, this is the tone we were going for this campaign. And this kind of really throws a wrench into it, you know? Yeah, that's... That's the biggest part. You don't want to make the table toxic. Yeah. And but you made an excellent point of it could mess up something with that the DM has planned. Yeah. I I was worried about talking about being a Minotaur because initially I wanted to have bullhorns and all this stuff. And I brought the idea to him and he said, well, here's how this is going. And I said, absolutely. Then we'll adapt this character to yeah. replenish it. Essentially, since um, the um, campaign was, we just did session one, I think a few weeks ago, but um, my character is half Minotaur, though he had his horns shaved down hmm. to the stump. The reason why was because as a soldier in the Mad King's army, he needed to essentially look as if elvish and because ah. of the mad king from the feywild required all elves to be the army essentially and all other races were beneath him being delusional and all this other nonsense i as the half minotaur had to essentially disregard being half minotaur it's very interesting so it that I imagine led to some pretty good uh, or is leading to maybe some pretty good like a uh, character role playing and, and, you know, Oh yeah. Thoughts it's of like, Hey, this is a very uh, disparaging moment for, for this person. Yeah. It, we just started, but I have big plans for the future with this character. Oh. Like there's reasons why he only uses his fists and there's reasons why he, doesn't enjoy higher ups in military force for reasons. Yeah. So it's as long as you're able to work with your DM, you can make some extremely big leaps in yeah. a campaign. Yeah. Because my initial thought was having horns and having half minotaur legs. But if I needed to essentially look like an elf, then I'm willing to redact most of that. I don't need yeah. to have these things. It yeah. was just ideas, first images, essentially. Right. Yeah. It's, it's almost a bit like a rough draft to where your DM could and should a lot of times come in, sit beside you and say like, here's how we can better mold it to really fit into something that everyone can be either comfortable with or be pleased with or whatever have you to where you say like, all right, I'm, I'm cool with this. And, and it's great to know that, you know, you can respect your DM enough to be just like, yeah, I'll do this because, you know, it's uh, not that your idea might be bad, but like it does sometimes take another person to come and say like, 
hmm, but what if you did that? You know, what if you imagined it this way? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you could maybe end up liking it a lot more than your original thought too. Oh yeah, I absolutely, after editing the character out to better flesh it, it not only made more sense in the campaign, but it was much more enjoyable and interesting to see what the DM can then use with it. Yeah. Well, what what exactly was the thing that inspired uh, you to imagine this character particularly? Like, what what kind of things did you pull from uh, uh, sources to make you go, I want to do half Minotaur, half Elf, or the original uh, concept for this character? Um, I always enjoy just making characters that can possibly be different. I have a full-blooded orc who is named Kraken Boom because he focuses <laughs> on whips and is a storm herald and all this. Ooh. I have I have an actual like recording of a voice line and character art, but seeing what you potentially could make, I made this character because of my DM essentially giving me the story for what the campaign is about, the Lightbringers. And that's where the Mad King's army came into play. And it talked about the war of attrition with devils that came to material plane. So I was thinking about like, maybe if I was a part of the Mad King's army initially, hmm. then what would I do at that point being part of the Feywild? Well, obviously if the Mad King required elves, then maybe elvish or half elvish with another race that comes from some other kind. And I was thinking of what other races and species come from the Feywilds. Like, well, there's Fey creatures, there's Minotaurs, Centaurs, maybe Minotaur, because it's probably more easy to make a half. <laughs> <laughs> so I went with that and was just like, okay, well, if I'm going to be half Minotaur, then what features of the Minotaur come into play? Essentially, the statistics I looked up for Minotaur, I just was like, okay, I think the easiest way to do this would to use the game statistics as a half-elf just because it, if I'm made to look... Because a lot of uh, the Minotaur's features come from having the horns. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not going to have horns, then if I focused using the half-elvish, then maybe down the road the Minotaur portions can come into play um and things like that but it was just mainly for statistical purposes nice using a half minotaur was primarily because i was thinking about a species that might not have the full support of their given surroundings so like um knowing the mad king's situation because i knew a little bit about him based off the story yeah i wasn't sure how much it was that's why we had to redact some things Mm -hmm. but coming up with like a like being minotaur and how they might be misguided essentially or mistreated by the mad king and his initial forces then because i was half minotaur um, the DM came up with a new category of unit in the war called Siege Beasts. Ooh, that result. sounds so cool. And it was like, oh my God, this is perfect. And yeah, that's that was I mainly made the character because I just wanted to have somebody 
that used fists as a weapon that wasn't about monk being a monk. Yeah. Not that I have anything uh, against being a monk. I have a character that is monk cleric, but I just wanted to use something that's abstract because fighters usually involve having several weapon attacks and long swords, short swords. They're, they're fighters. They run in, they d- deal out a lot of damage. Yeah. I wanted to use something that I haven't seen. I wanted to use a martial art that primarily focused on fists. So boxing and how I could incorporate boxing into a character. Well, a lot of boxing involves noticing your opponent's moves, their reactions. So battle master would make sense being able to maneuver, being able to disarm trip, use your knowledge of what the opponent's doing to your advantage. Yeah. And because I wanted to use the battle master as well as the boxing, that's when I was talking to my DM about using the monk martial arts. So that way I can do this while not having to take a level in monk to be able to use it. It's very cool. I love too how, and I don't know if you realize this or not, but it's interesting how you said about being tied in with the boxer of, you know, knowing all these maneuvers, but also boxers can be very perceptive, you know, fighters and Mm. elves are, you know, stereotypically a very perceptive race, you know, their keen eyes and stuff like that. So I think that works out so beautifully with this character. It, it, melded very well with the campaign because this, I had the character idea of boxing um, fighter before given the idea of the campaign. Yeah. So turning that into it was just so enveloping and yeah. I am extremely excited to play more of this character. Cause right now we're only level three later down the road. I don't know what could happen. Maybe I'll get my horns back or maybe Ooh. I'll, be a lot more bulkier and to really take on the siege beast format (laughs) it it just for me anyway it i kind of imagine um a weird mix of like you know hellboy uh yeah (laughs) like he had his his horns shaved down but like if he was a beautiful you know pale elf and everything like that but still this just (laughs) badass such a, yeah, such a cool thing. Still has the Minotaur height and Minotaur eyes. Yeah. That's about like God. seven feet tall and incredibly God. intimidating. <laughs> but it's so it's just fun. That yeah. character creation is some of my favorite things next to magic item creating. Yeah. What, what's funny is that you were you, with you talking about you know character creation, but also going back to what you were saying with uh, your your dual campaign to where you play the uh one side of a coin of two minds you know our um being clerics our arcane focus for who was in control at the time we had a coin that would change symbols based off of who was in control the same side that's cool both coins would or both sides of the coin would turn into whatever whoever was in control at that time oh that's interesting one of my character ideas i had that and again, I think we said earlier, I, I also suffer from forever DM syndrome, <laughs> um, which, which is fine. I, I love being a DM, but, you know, playing as a, an actual character is really, really fun. 
one of my uh, characters I was imagining was going to be a a halfling uh, barbarian who was the subclass of the I think it was the um, uh, the ancestors I can't remember what it's called ancestral Half- guardian and the 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 halfling himself the character was going to be this very soft spoken uh, very very gentle halfling. And and he was going to be a carpenter, and and all these things, <laughs> and it all ties in because he's he's carrying around this like w- like hefty wooden oak uh, table leg. His quest is to deliver it to the, its end destination for his last task as an apprentice carpenter or a woodworker. <laughs> well, on his travels before the adventure starts, he goes to ask for his ancestors' blessings to protect him on his journeys and whatnot. And in a, in a weird Mulan Disney kind of way, uh, one of his ancestral guardians was an ancient uh, halfling barbarian who partly possesses his body. And so in the way of protecting him, anytime he's around danger, the barbarian spirit takes over and he automatically either goes into a rage or just comes out and like, he's very gruff and he's like really brash uh, <laughs> and angry. And, and it just reminds me of the way you're, you're describing this uh, duality between you and your friend. Uh, and it just makes me want to play that character even more because it just be so fun to have that duality. Like I said, mm-hmm. of just, you know, one side of the same coin and it's just and it's fun to do that i think it's something that's very much of of a departure from normal playing D &D, that it it sets almost limitations especially to what you and your friend are doing it sets a lot of limitations uh for you in in some ways but also like you were saying earlier it's very freeing in others you know Mm -hmm. absolutely it's just great because they also can interact with each other. They have, they share memory at the, so that the other person can still see what's happening. So there's not like a separation and they don't constantly have to remind the next person what's going on and stuff like that. But um, it's just fun. It's creating characters. It's just so fun. Oh yeah. (laughs) I want to have a, uh, a later monthly topic of, uh, like character creation and the different ways that you can maybe uh, diverge from the classic stereotypes uh, or even do the classic stereotypes to, in a way that subverts the expectations. Mm. Um, so I think that'd be a really fun topic to think about and talk about in a future date. Yeah, that um, sounds great. Oh yeah. Uh, I do want to know, do you have any sort of imagination highlight to, and I'll expand on that where like, any point that you've had in playing D&D to where you were so just enraptured with the storytelling of either you or uh, another DM to where you were just envisioning it so perfectly and where it just really stuck with you? There's a moment in the campaign where the Great Gods War, where the group had followed this golden stag to um a large lake and they some things occurred and they dove into a pond or dove into the lake in a certain area and ended up in the Feywild. that's very um simplifying it but it, it turned an hour of role playing into like 30 seconds of an explanation but beside the <laughs> point um one of the characters 
who initially started as a warlock had traversed with training um with moon druids mm-hmm. um changed from their warlock self to that of a druid there was some complications that occurred as a result because of the patron's contract and there was some damage to the psyche yeah they met an archfey who was the um spring caution this is a little bit of some homebrewing coming out but the spring caution who is essentially the entity that maintains this fourth of the Feywild. This entity saw this person, I'm, I'm going to call his name as Zacharis, as someone who's different than their intended goal. And as a result, she went up to him and there was this one-to-one moment where she was delving into the memories of Zacharis's past life and the reasons to why things occurred. And it was taken back to several moments before. And I would say this is probably the most, the, the biggest portion of this because these, it brought back memories of things that happened in the campaign years ago. And it was retelling them in the exact same way that they happened and when doing so and it traversed through the memories and brought up the characters points of questions and this character's history that none of the other players knew it was so fleshed out and enveloping a big part of why we initially started as a podcast rather than streaming is because I was having difficulties trying to find out or find a way to involve music into the game. Because Mm -hmm. if we were sitting down at a table, you can't really play music next to a microphone because then it gets all janky and jarbly and skips out on audio. I figured that out at episode like three or four when I tried (laughs) because then you couldn't hear anything. It was skipping out. So I'm like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to add it in post. So experiencing it at the table, experiencing it as I was editing it, and then experiencing it as I was putting music to find the best way to express it, it definitely hit me a lot more and completely wrapped me into the moment. I always love hearing and people just telling me about their cherished memories of playing, you know, D&D or other TTRPGs where... You know, it just, it means a lot to them. And it's it's something that I, I definitely is one of my goals of this podcast is to capture those moments for others to listen to. Uh, so thank you very much for sharing that. Absolutely. Well, with, with you, what you're talking about of the issues with the, uh, the music and stuff like that, did you guys face any other issues when first starting out of podcasting or streaming and stuff like that? It was definitely the core quality of it that was the diff that was difficult we when we started out we used my laptop and recorded using audacity with a single microphone sitting in (laughs) the middle of a table (laughs) and 
the very first time recording, I did not set the uh, microphone to the proper thing, and my laptop recorded using my laptop microphone. So (laughs) (laughs) it was an immediate reaction of trying to figure out just how many steps I need to take to make sure that everything goes smoothly. Oh, yeah. According to plan. (laughs) That's so funny, man. Uh, Just I think I think that's a, a perfect example of like, Hey, you did this, you messed up, you learned, you know, mm-hmm. because I think most, if not maybe all podcasts and streams, you know, it's a rough start. And I believe I was talking about this with my, with my previous, previous guests on a tabletop bureau of, you know, if you, if for somehow that you start a podcast with, you know, all, you know, such high quality equipment and nothing going wrong. Like you got to be doing something. You're <laughs> you're selling your soul or something, buddy. Because like it's just like mistakes like that are such a, just a common occurrence when you're first starting out. And I think it's a good learning example of getting what you need and what you want out of the the experience you're trying to give to your listeners. Yeah, it's a big part of it. When we first started, that was all we had was my laptop and the microphone. Yeah. Then later down the road, when I was editing the videos, all they would have is a single screenshot of a background that I would use, a royalty-free background, and went in and did all this stuff post. And seeing that last year at where we first started back in April or May, I think it was May, and then seeing where we are now, we have a microphone that's set up per person. We have a camera that can record and we have a stream setup layout. The amount of change from episode one to basically episode 50 is a huge leap. And it's... I love that. It, 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 I, t- I came up to it because I think I um, did a... Uh, a one year anniversary thing where I went back and looked at episode one and listened to it. It was like, this sounds like utter terrible garbage. <laughs> None of us were comfortable at first. And it's like, it was, Oh, and then it comes back to episode like 40 or something. And we have the camera that records the whole table. This is before quarantine, obviously. Yeah. And, um, all the new uh, royalty-free music that I found and got permissions for. its It was really inspiring to me and helped me drive to keep going because the biggest part about having worry about it is that phantom syndrome of, I mean, I guess we're a podcast, but we're not really because <laughs> we have like one or two people that watch it. And it's like, yeah. it doesn't matter if nobody watches it. If you're making the content and having fun with it, you're a podcaster. As long as you're making that yeah. content, you are whatever you want to be in that field. Yeah. I can't remember if it was you maybe or not who said on Twitter, someone said on Twitter to me whenever I was first getting, trying to, I guess you could say bump up some some business for this podcast before I even released episode one. Uh, someone gave me that exact uh, quote, basically saying like, as long as you're making stuff, you are a podcaster. And it really did give me a lot of uh, inspiration. And like, 
hope, I guess I would say. I can't like, I can't remember if it was me or not. I know I've said that to a few people. Yeah. But I mean it's a good it's a good and a really helpful thing to say though because like as long as you are doing this like you are it, you know. Yeah. Is what you have now for your show is it more of what you imagined it would be when you first started? Do you feel like you have things that you want to improve on to really give the listeners or your audience what you feel and what you see. There's always more that I would want to improve on. It's definitely further than what I thought that I would be at though, Hmm. because when we initially started, we were just sitting at around at the table and now we're all doing it online using roll 20 and using maps that um, I once again have permissions for but also maps that I can actually make because I have assets to it and stuff like that. So I'm further along than where I thought I would be. Yeah. But there's always more that I would like to improve. There, improve on the quality of video, improving on the um, seamless transitions and things like that. It's what I envision for it is always something more, I think, than what I will be at but it's still something to keep trying for because hmm. maybe we will reach that state where I do have the technology that I have available to me to be able to do that. Cause I'm still new with OBS. I'm still new with roll 20 and new with the whole potential streaming setup. Yeah. Um, the entire time that we've been doing this, I've been the entire, um, editing background for the recordings and everything. So I haven't had necessarily the time to research into it, but because of recent events and needing to get a PC to record online because my decade old laptop was not able to maintain OBS and um, uh, Discord at the same time, building the setup for it. There's always something that I want to improve on to try to help with the quality for the viewer. But the biggest thing for me is whether or not we at the table are having fun. And then if other people are enjoying the story that we're writing. Yeah. I think that a lot of times gets the most amount of uh, importance in, I think, pretty much all shows podcast pod, especially D podcast shows you know mm-hmm. uh it it really shouldn't matter if you don't you know have all the bells and whistles that you know maybe someone like critical role does or dimension 20 or whoever that you know as long as you at the table are having fun i think that's the main thing that should matter and you know you're all in it together to uh, enjoy each other's company and have fun. Yeah, that's you're playing a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is, and it's it's weird because on on other on different styles of gaming like console gaming or PC gaming, just to weird get on a weird tangent, but like you know, I you can hear on on the the mics and the chats, you know, like oh this this sucks, you know, they just complain, complain, complain. Like this is a game you guys are playing. You're you're supposed to be playing just to have fun, shouldn't you? And and games like TTRPGs and D and D, I think they are the perfect example of games that 
really do allow you just to have fun. I mean, sure, they may have their troubles and your trials and tribulations and stuff, but like more often than not, and should be all the time, that like D D just wants you to have fun. And as the DM, as you know, the the master of this world that you're playing in, you are the the figurehead to say, all right, guys, we're gonna stop this bickering. Or, you know, we're not going to play this game. You know, you have the ability to say, hey, you know, we're going to end it here until you guys grow up. You know, like, yeah, you're you're there for fun. You shouldn't be there for, I mean, you you could be there for other reasons, but like, that's your main reason. It's a game. It's for fun. Exactly. There's, people are going to have bickering. They're going to argue sometimes. Sure. The biggest thing that I have with it is try not to bleed. The way that that. What I mean by that is taking out world problems and involving that in the game. Yeah, yeah, I I get what you're saying there. That's always really a big issue, I find. Yeah. Because, you know, people, you know, like we were just saying, you know, people play this game to have fun, but, you know, they do it to also unwind and get away from their troubles. And in the same way that someone can bring their their troubles to with them to the workplace or wherever, mm-hmm. people can bring it to the gaming table, and that does make a uncomfortability and oh, yeah. just people other people not have fun though. It's um, important. the The re- reason I say that is essentially if you're, it's a different setting if your characters get into an argument. Yes. It, if it's based off of actions that happen in the game and it's by character and not by personal problem to that person, yeah. then there's different. I mean, obviously, if it gets too crazy and then it starts to bleed, <laughs> then it's like, all right, guys, calm down. Yeah. Just go to separate tables or something. Like, yeah. You're rolling dice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's weird, though, because like sometimes the reverse can happen to where issues in the game can bleed over to real life and that's equally just not as fun though but like again you have to realize this is an imaginary game with imaginary characters that are not real and you know you you really have to have that divide of this is the real world everyone and this is a fantasy game you know this is not something you should get all worked up about though i mean i definitely get invested in characters it's it's different than being invested it's caring about how someone else is playing or something yeah yeah it's different than being invested for sure because an excellent example that i have would be there was a moment in our campaign where one of the character or one of the players conversed with another player apart from the table um in character they they were in the same room and they were conversing and they can they uh, came up with an idea to do something that the entirety of the party did not agree with at oh. the time. And they were arguing in character after the fact, and there was deep tension. And then when the game was over, everyone was gawking at the two about how incredible the game was going. And they were <laughs> excited about what was happening and, how they can react to it. It it's the exact example of something that's I think is 
um, complementary, but it teeters on the balance of where it potentially could get bad depending yes. on the people. We're all extremely big friends and we've been high school friends. So I'm pretty sure that there's not going to be that tension that some yeah. groups might have if it was two different people that didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. They were they were happy with how the story was coming along and they were excited to see what's going to come from it. <laughs> Again, diversifying that sense of, you know, this is a game and this is real life really comes into play a lot more times than people may realize. And, and it can affect other people than just them too, people at the table, the DM, whoever. And it's something that people should really be more aware of, I think, though. To, to take it from here to another question about imagination, I want to know what best fuels your imagination. Is it movies, books? Is it games, music? What is it that is your go-to when, say, to bring it back to creative writing, what is your go-to when you start to sit down and, and think about you know what you want to write? That's tough because I get inspiration by a lot of things, by music, by games, by other people's groups, other people's characters. I would say the biggest part of it would be the vivid thought that I have that comes from listening to music. Nice. When I, I was, love that. I was young, I would listen to music and play out scenes in my head about like how <laughs> yeah. things would happen in certain ways. I still do it to this day because of it, but I would listen to something. I would have a character in mind. I would make this character and think about how, what would happen with this song and what would tailor from it essentially. Yeah. It's unfortunate because I don't have the talent to be able to 3D animate it. That would be <laughs> fucking awesome. That'd be great. If I could That'd do be that. So great. But um, I just play them in my head over and over again. Yeah. And I do that when I listen and think about characters that are in the current campaign. Like um, I consistently keep thinking about a scene that's coming up at some point in the campaign. And I think of like how this character will react to it. What would they say? What would this character say based off of what they've done? And how would that tailor to this? And the biggest part about the creative writing portion of it is I'm only thinking about big future events that will, that will come based off of yeah. what they do. I don't like to definitively write every single thing down because then I think that might limit what, could occur yeah it limits the imagination of what the game wants you to do a bit exactly when we first started i did exactly that and i wrote down every <laughs> single damn thing oh man it me was, too it burned me out i yeah. would spend hours upon hours and none of it mattered because yep. one person would have to just take a left turn and none of that mattered so then at that yep. point i was like no I know how I want to play this. I'm going to prepare and use intuition and creativity, imagination to follow what the players are trying to do. Because if they go to a destination that I haven't thought of, well, I will make it up as I'm going because yeah. that seems to work out. And none of my players realize that I've done that. They thought <laughs> the entire time I've had this whole fleshed out until uh, I told them feeling. at the end of the session that I had 
no idea where this was going. I love that. I do that a lot to my players too, where they're just like, oh man, that was so fun. I'm like, yeah, I was just pulling it out of my butt. Yeah. And that look on their faces <laughs> of just like, what? Yeah. It's so great. But man, I will do that. Same. I The first time I ran a campaign was for my, my brother and um, my now roommate who used to be a, a work uh, buddy of mine. I would do the exact same thing. I would I would write out scene for scene the dialogue, mm-hmm. the 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 scenery I was wanting to paint, and but for me it wouldn't matter. <laughs> I was such a bad DM. It wouldn't matter whether or not they went down that path or not. I would very much railroad the situation, mm-hmm. which is bad, and and I really regret that. Um, it depends. But it on was the group, just so bad. But yeah, I yeah. I can agree with like my group of friends um they like to take it where they kind of deem so railroading them would definitely kind of inhibit that i know one of my players is annoyed by not having um progress made which tends to happen (laughs) when you don't railroad (laughs) yeah yeah but um it depends on the group because some some people do like having that go from point a to point b direct us sort of deal the journey. and then we can, yeah the journey rather than the exploration yeah it's dependent on the people for sure um yeah that was um part of the reason why i'm in the category of not railroading actually is when i first started watching dnd i was listening to a few different people talk about mistakes that they've made and things yeah. like that and the very first group that i watched was very comical they were jokingly playing with the game they would um have some serious moments in it but they also were very lenient on some of the rules and i think that your first experience in seeing what like how someone is doing it is a big part of how you imagine the game to be yeah yeah definitely it it takes what is it? What's that saying? It takes a village, but it does take the whole table to really solidify the the overall feeling that you get at the table, uh, especially in, like you said, the imaginative way that the DM is trying to uh, craft this storytelling and and the the world building and everything it takes. What you do, you know, as your creative writing. Mm-hmm. And, and it really takes everyone to be on board with that. And we've, we talked, we covered that actually a few times now between you talking about your character creation and things like that though. Uh, and I just find that really fascinating. Do you have any uh, specific examples of, of music that you like to, to listen to? I'm very curious. Um, <laughs> I listen to a lot of Nightcore which is very cool sped up versions of songs and redacted versions with different tempos and all this stuff. Um, otherwise when it comes to songs that I use for D and D it's, I would go searching for royalty free songs that I'm allowed to use under the creative, uh, attributions of, um, 4.0, which is giving um, credit to where credit is due, essentially, for a, right. for a broad term. Um, and I would listen to them and do the same thing that I would do. I would imagine this song, except I would pair it with a setting that I would huh. use in D&D. So 
if it was a tranquil kind of song, I would imagine it for a given atmosphere. Like, is this forest something that have this tranquil song or would it be a moment of serenity between two characters? Hmm. Um, Otherwise I listen to just loads and loads of songs fighting music and video game music and all sorts of stuff. What's the, what's the wildest kind of music that you've, you've gotten inspiration from to where like, it really just was like, Oh my God, this, this would be like a cool, you know, background music for a scene. Oh, there's so many. It's so hard to choose (laughs) my folder for music that I used to um, use for uh, post editing was I think I had nearly in the fifties of song tracks. Oh my God. You're, you're free to use music if you want to, but like anything, whether it's like, Oh, Oh, I gotcha. A name brand, it, anything you want to, what's the wildest you've heard of? It's like, I want that. <laughs> if I could use that in my, in my <laughs> show, I would. Oh, that, that makes it even more difficult. There's so many broad songs from like the Witcher three from Skyrim and, there's one I think that I would just love to use that's from Final Fantasy 13. Oh yeah. There's a song in 132 that is of a character named Caius and he has this extremely it's slow epic where it starts out deep and it gets into this crescendo to where it then just takes off from the original portion of it. And mm-hmm. that's how I would imagine the beginning of where it's deep tone would be like this wild argument between two characters, like a villain and the main and that character's um, goal. And it's like preventing this person from being able to do what they're wanting to do. And there's a song that I actually had at episode 33 of our campaign that tailored to that. But um, when in that deep tone, they would have this argument. And then when the crescendo would hit, that's when it would all kick off and they would have this one-to-one combat because in the same, like I was talking about a scene with um, uh, talking about how tailoring an event based off of that. um, That's exactly the song that I would have used for that moment because at the beginning of the game, when we played, there was a moment where, there was a one-to-one combat between a sergeant and one of the player characters and player character got completely destroyed. And there was a scene in my mind where if they came back in the same regard, because the only reason that they fought was there was three civilians in the city of greenest that was held hostage. And the only reason that they even came to this agreement of if they fought, they would release one of the prisoners. If they fought admirably, they would release two of them. And regardless of the end result, if they completed the combat, then all three would be resolved. Essentially, they nearly perished because of this combat. But if they came into the same scenario where the same sergeant, except way later down the road, beaten, battered, destroyed by the party's force of uh, retaliation in, in an army versus army aspect, took a single prisoner of war, except that this time it was a duel to the death instead of Ooh. a certain format. Arguments would play out and it would be like something that happened in game about a year prior to this and seeing that growth of the character to then B 
beating the sergeant at what they were doing. It's having that song play in the background, especially based off of how Caius is um, perceived in Final Fantasy 13 too. He's an undying soldier that protects Yule, who is a goddess of a seer who can predict the future, but every time she sees it, she perishes and a new Yule is born. So this <laughs> extreme, like, unending sorrow deep pitted into this character plays so well with the character that I was imagining for this. I can only imagine the music fits very well to that. Oh, I would I'd have to send you the song afterwards. Obviously, <laughs> we can't do. play it. We can't play it here. And oh, it's no. killing me. I have to listen to it now. <laughs> oh, man. I will say, though, like, video game music, I mean, its goal is to be at the background of scenes that you're playing through. But, like, it alone, it just does, it creates such vivid imagery within your mind that's just like, Oh, like you said perfectly, you you used to, and you, I think you still do, you said, envision scenes playing out from music. I used to do the same thing, man, all the time. I, I don't know how or why I stopped, but it's just, it was such a cool thing for me to listen to music, especially uh, there, there was one example I had where it was Celtic music. It was like a, a, a multi-artist uh, CD, and this was like back in like early two thousands, like two thousand one oh, wow. or so. And but there was one music I still know the tune to it, and I've used all of those, you know, like hum tune, find the song things, you know, and mm-hmm. and all this stuff. I cannot find this song, but I had such a vivid imagery in my mind of like this uh, group of adventurers, uh, very Power Rangery slash Saint Seiya. Uh, of adventurers of like storming this uh, keep, this castle. And it's just like this very rolling uh, flute and, and loot uh, sounds, but like, it was so beautiful. So moving to me that like my mind was playing out these adventures and I would have dreams about this. It was so important (laughs) to me. I would have dreams and like, I can't find it. And it crushes me every time I think of that song again. And I'm like, I will never know what that song is called. You'll find it at some point completely oh. unrelated to where you are in Man. life. You will like find it somehow on in like a game store, like a card shop somewhere, oh, and I somebody so. on the their phone is going to be playing it. <laughs> if that ever happens to me, which I hope it does, I will immediately think of you and sound, sound out a little like message through the ether saying, thank you. Yes. You were right. <laughs> but uh, I want to wrap this up with my last question for you, sir. I've, I've really enjoyed our talk so far. I have to, I have as well. This has been so fun delving into Good. like, what inspires me because now i have to just go back and listen to so many different things oh please and also please send me that that song like i, I might be able to find it on spotify but send me that i will listen there's, to it i'll jam um, out to it there's a specific scene in the game too that ha- that plays it that just tailors to it so well i'll send that uh, to you as well please do please do well my last question for you is what advice might you give people who maybe a little bit uncomfortable stepping into the world of imagination who may want to take that leap. I have been directly involved with this with one of my players who is extremely kind of silent at times and is difficult to kind of open up. 
take your time. Don't rush into it because if you feel like you have to be forced to do it, you're not going to have fun. You're not. Yeah. You're going to be panicked and worried that somebody else is going to criticize you on what you're doing. Take your time for it because everyone that's there, at least there's obviously some outliers, but <laughs> everyone that's at the table should be supportive. Yeah, They shouldn't be forcing you to it. And if they are, then talk to them directly because they might not be initially trying to do that. Everyone that's there should be there trying to have fun. And if they're having fun role-playing and they're trying to get everyone involved and you're not comfortable at that state yet, give it time, take it, and certain moments where you see your character being able to be fleshed out by you involving yourself with that, then try it. If you see a moment where you can speak up and put in your two cents in your character, then try it. Everything is about trial because you don't know how to play that out essentially yet. But yeah. once you get into it and kind of develop the mentality of how you specifically want to play it like that, then you'll be able to just fall back onto that safety, that comfort behind it. It's just creating that comfort value of it is the difficult part. But once yeah. you have it established, you will be able to fall back to it immediately. There's groups that can help with this as well. If you've never done role-playing before, there's loads different chat rooms that don't require voice. It's all about writing. And that's where I initially came from. I've never done role-playing before. Um, and I was exactly the same way. I didn't know how to role-play. I didn't know how to get let my mind out into that imaginative state. But when you establish a setting, a character, and a world around that, that's when you'll be able to fully venture out and let your mind roam to the imagination that can happen with that. That's a that's a honestly like a beautiful piece of advice right there. That people who again are very kind of shy and and within themselves can really start to ease out, especially too with, with the aid of, like you said, maybe uh, others behind a screen because, you know, it's, it's much easier to simply type something out and not have maybe that inner fear of face-to-face uh, -face, stage um, presence, stage presence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say definitely do that, do it to where it's, uh, you feel absolutely comfortable. And as well, people around the table to others who might be more comfortable with that, definitely work with that player in a in an easy setting. And it's, and it's something that's important for them as well as you at the table playing with those people mm -hmm. uh, to be very respectful for them and not be like, well, come on already. You know, be really gentle, be easy. Because, and what we said before, you're all here to have fun. You're all here to play this, game that fuels the imagination and and everyone you know you want everyone on board to get the most out of it though exactly the other thing with that is if you do try it and it's not your take it's not something that you enjoy to do 
that is okay. Not yeah. every single person is an actor. Not every single yeah. person is just able and willing to let it all out like that. If you don't yeah. feel comfortable, you do not need to do it. You don't. Yep. Absolutely. I think it's, and again, it goes back to just being everyone being respectful to each other and, and saying, okay, you know, you're here to play this collaborative game. And if you want to have fun, then, you know, help each other out. Yeah. Have fun. Have each other out though. Can you tell us when and where people can catch your show? Yes. Um, well, we essentially have been uploading to YouTube for our podcast, uh, Miss Rolled Adventures on YouTube. We also have a Twitter account, at Miss Rolled, um, spelled the same way, M-I-S-S, Rolled. And those are the main sources that we kind of uh, tailor out to. But I also um, extract the videos, convert them to MP3s, so that way they go out to Anchor and loads of different podcasting sites like Spotify, uh, Google Play and things like that. So that way um, you can listen to it at any of your regular sources. Right now, we just recently have broken out of a hiatus. So there's going to be some episode. There's going to be a, a pretty long gap between an episode. But um, we do try to upload every Friday and Sunday. Um, Double Time is on Friday, which is still on hiatus because I want to actually fully stream that with only two people. It's a lot more simple. And I have a professional illustrator creating an overlay, so that way I can oh, wow. give a better experience to the viewers with um, some creativity and idea of what our char- two characters are. And uh, The Great God's War is uploaded to YouTube every Sunday, well, attempting to at least, but um, that those are the main sites that you'll be able to see us. On Twitter, I'm involved with loads of different other people in the community and trying to outspeak. You can dm me there because my uh messages are always open i'm <laughs> willing to discuss about anything that's ttrpg related <laughs> i just love talking to people and uh, if you have any questions by all means shoot them my way oh man you and me both listeners please check out the description for more info i will be putting a lot of links and info there thank you so much for joining me tyler i have had thank a you. wonderful time talking to you I honestly hope to have you on again in the future if that ever uh, can arise and can happen. I'd love that. I would love to talk more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, perfect. We'll make it happen then. Great. Thank you so much for joining us, listeners. I will see you the next time you open the Ironbound Chest. Hey everyone, it's the end of the show, so that means it's time for shoutouts. I want to give a big shoutout to Tim Carr, John Wolf, and Dweezil Milfingworth Brimley Elderberry III. Thank you guys so much for your patronage and support. It means so much to me. And listeners, if you would like to show some extra support, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash the Ironbound Chest to check out my Patreon. For $2 a month, subscribers get shoutouts and access to my Discord server. Higher tiers receive early access to episodes and the ability to submit questions for my guests. So please consider donating. Thank you all so much, and I'll see you the next time you open the Ironbound Chest.